Well, let's, just, let's stand for a second. You guys good with that? Let's stand. Let's feel before I get in the message, I just want to pray. I'll release fresh oil tonight, God. Fresh oil right now over us. For every person in this place, God, I just pray fresh oil right now. We need an encounter with you tonight, God. We don't need the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of men. Father, we need an encounter with you, Holy Spirit. We call on you right now, Holy Spirit. Come and encounter our hearts tonight. Come and encounter our hearts tonight. I'm going to pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I let go of every preconceived idea, of every false belief. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come into my heart and that you would begin to rewire the spirit of my mind to line up with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that everything that is imprisoning me, let those prison doors be opened up now in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Say, I take authority over every single contention and bondage from the devil that is keeping me from seeing who I am as a son of God on the earth called and chosen. I decree that now, tonight, everything changes. I will no longer be chained. I will no longer be bound. But I decree that I am free. I am a son of God. And whom the son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many know that God speaks today? He speaks today. But sometimes, especially when we're in the streams of the prophetic and charismatic streams and movements where there's a lot of spiritual manifestations, sometimes it gets a little foggy. Sometimes we hear some stuff and we get taught some stuff and then all of a sudden the ways that we for, for sure knew were wrong, all of a sudden get the blinds get a little blurred. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I feel like what God is doing over us, over our congregation in this season that we're in right now is that he's actually bringing, I like what Pastor Andrew says, he says a plumb line in the spirit. Everybody know what a plumb line is? Like a contractor, they, they do a plumb line and it's a perfect plumb because the level is horizontal, plumb is vertical. So perfect leveling is horizontal where that little bubble in the level, it's right in between the two black lines. Everybody follow me? But plumb is a vertical, so there's a there's actually something that could be straight and there's something that could be tilted. You understand? And I feel like what God is doing is there's a sifting and a sorting, and the sifting and the sorting is not is not through uh, if I could say it like it's not through anger or despise or uh, disappointment, but it's through correction. And with correction, a good father corrects his children. Amen? Amen. The Bible actually says if you're not corrected from the father, then you should consider yourself an illegitimate son or a son without a father. We know that God speaks today, but sometimes 
what we're hearing on the inside because we've been in realms of the see cause here, here's here's kind of the cool thing i feel like god has even shown me today because i preached in the methodist church this morning and so with the methodist church there's there's more like there needs to be this push of of sonship and like awakening to the keys and the destiny that they have and like come on get out of like that dormancy and that and that like almost that steadfastness of not in a good way steadfast but almost like a sedentary place of just sitting there's no movement but then on the other side you have the realms where there's more of a prophetic movement and sometimes everybody's going so fast you ever drove down the freeway before and you know those those white lines you know the white lines that separate the lanes you know there's a speed that you get too fast enough where that white line gets blurred doesn't it and you almost cannot see the lane anymore anybody ever drove that fast maybe it's just me i got a heavy i got a heavy foot my, my foot goes on the pedal and it's like i'm on a 40 and i'm like how did i get to 100 this is crazy that was just way too easy it was like i'm like oh my gosh this is a 45 Thank you, Lord Jesus, for grace, because that cop didn't see me. I disappeared in the spirit. I was like Jesus in the midst of all those that wanted to stone him, and I walked right through him. Everybody's like, I cannot get a ticket by just being in the spirit. No, don't take it that far. <laughs> but how many know that there's almost like a speed you can go to where you, where you can't see the lines anymore? Or even have you seen it like this where you see where you drive through a field and there's a strawberry field and when you're driving by the side of it and you're driving like 45, you see like row, 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 not row, row, row your boat, but row, row, row and you see them, but then you go fast enough and all of a sudden it just looks like one big field. There's no rows anymore. Everybody understand what I'm saying? In our congregation and and the family that we have of God here is that. God has been giving truth and, he, and he's been speaking and, and he's been giving uh, exaltation and adoration and edification. But then that brings with it this speed where you want to go, where you want to go. And almost with this speed, when you're going, it almost becomes like, oh, there's no more lanes. And what happens when there's no lanes on the freeway is there becomes car accidents. Everybody know what I'm talking about. And so there's such a thing in the spirit realm, if I could say it like this, I can't take you to a scripture, but there's such a thing as knowing how to stay in your lane. And by staying in your lane, I don't mean like, you know, okay, this person drives this car and this person drives this car and this person goes this speed. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about there's some things where we can actually press the envelope and we can step outside of the will of God and then we can call it grace. We can call it, oh, there's mercy. Now, understand that grace and mercy of God is there. He loves us so much. But we don't want to get to a speed where we actually lose the lane that God has us in. Amen. So why don't we open up to Colossians 3. I'm just, as I'm speaking right now, I'm, and I'm speaking, I just want to let you guys know, I'm speaking not from like, I'm not, I don't have this stuff written down. I'm just speaking as I feel Holy Spirit is just breathing on something right now. So I, I don't even really know where this is going to go. I'm just kind of, I'm walking on the water with Jesus right now. But I just know things that God has done in my heart. And um, I know biblically some of the things that I have done, I have actually gotten to a speed where I actually felt like I was above certain things. And the Bible says we are the head and not the tail, but the Bible also says that we are the body of Christ and all his members, and God chooses where you go, and that Jesus is the head. So there actually is a head that leads the body. Amen. But sometimes we can almost get into this place where we kind of exalt ourselves into the head and we feel like everything's good because of 
well, Jesus took care of everything, so now I can just go. But we have to understand lordship. We have to understand the master. We have to understand that Jesus is still king and he is still Lord. And he wasn't just king to get you free. He actually is king to be your Lord. And as a Lord, when the Lord decrees something and he says something and he places you somewhere or he gives you an assignment or he gives you a command, as the Lord, the command that goes forward doesn't change until the command is completed. Amen. How many feel that Jesus just says stuff to say it? Raise your hand. No hand was raised for those listening on a podcast or anything else. (laughs) I agree with you. Listen, Jesus doesn't just say stuff to say it. Sometimes we do, don't we? We need to be careful with some of the stuff we say because sometimes our tongue is going so fast that we don't even realize, oh my gosh, did I just say that? I got to ask forgiveness on that stuff because sometimes my tongue just starts flying and I'm like, oh, how did that get out of there? Come back. It's like the doves leave the cage and I'm like, come back here, doves. Get back in the cage. But Jesus does not just say stuff to just say it. So that means that every word in here, if we believe that this word is infallible, do we believe that the word of God is infallible? Do we believe that it actually is the word of God? Or do we believe that it's just awesome men, you know, they had some stuff happen and then they believe some good things and they wanted to write down those principles. And, you know, it's kind of good to keep most of them. But then some of them we can kind of, when we don't agree with them, throw them to the wayside. I don't believe that, do you? Otherwise, everything that we're doing in our life, everything we're living for, it's all for nothing. We have to believe that this is infallible. We have to believe that this is the final say. It's not your encounter isn't the final say. The word, the prophetic word you got at a church isn't the final say. The written word of God is the final say. If the prophetic word that you got at some meeting counteracts or contradicts the word of the Lord over your life in here, then I say throw the prophetic word away and stick with this. I like, I think it was Sean Bolt said something on, uh, he posted something on Facebook and I loved it. He said something, I'll paraphrase it. He said something to the phrase, if you go to an outside body that you is not your family and you receive a prophetic word and it contradicts all that which has already been prophesied over you and your family, I say shelve the outside word and go with the one of the people that actually have walked life with you. Because sometimes, because you got to test the spirit man you don't know what's going on in somebody's life you don't know what's happening behind closed doors you don't know why they're saying what they're saying over you you got to test stuff the devil comes as an angel of light the bible says he'll present himself as a glorious being listen i love encounters and a lot of you guys have heard some of them not all of them encounters are awesome face-to-face ones visions dreams it's all awesome and glorious but if the encounter contradicts what god has already declared to me in his word Then I shelve the encounter and I follow the word. So we want the spirit and the word together. Amen. But Holy Spirit will not contradict the word of the Lord either. He's the one that actually breathed into the beings, the men that were inspired by Holy Spirit to bring the written word. That's what the Bible says. So why would he give us all this instruction and this revelation and then contradict it? It's not going to happen. Amen. So what we have to be careful with is encounter trying to explain how we feel and tantalizing and making us feel nice because oh this feels so good i needed those goosebumps today i really needed to feel that wind come on me i really needed to have that image that was prophesied over me and i needed to see that did you no you like the way it felt see you felt happy because you were affirmed in a moment through a prophetic word But the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength and that joy is in his presence. It's not through a prophetic word. And you can have his presence anytime, all the time. He's always with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. 
You enter in through the blood of Jesus with praise and thanksgiving, the Bible says in Psalms. So at all times, with confidence, you can approach the throne of grace, which is his presence, and the joy of the Lord is there for you. You don't need somebody with a prophetic gift to come and say, Whitney, I believe you're going to be a prophet to the nations. Hallelujah. Give me some oil. Shatarabaka. Oh, thank you, Lord. You have called me and you've recognized me in front of the congregation. Now they'll see that I'm worth something. No. Now, how many agree it's awesome if something like that happens? I love it. But do we need it? No, we need the word. Gifts are the cherries on top. And that's fun. And you know we like flowing in the gifts here. Amen? But if the gifts weren't flowing and we had the word and we had intimacy and fellowship with Holy Spirit, one to another, and privately, which is the most important, Can I say this? There's actually some what a lot of us would call colder churches that actually have more integrity than those that are super on fire. They show up on time. They say they're going to do something and they actually do it. They pay their bills on time. They see somebody that's homeless and doesn't have any clothes and they go buy him clothes. They don't just pray for an angel to come and have an encounter and give them a a coat of many colors. Hello? Sometimes we can get so profed out in the glory that we, we kind of forget, oh my gosh, I'm actually living on earth with a body and I actually can do some stuff for God that actually is physical and practical. So we, we, need, we need to know our speed and our lane and we need to count and look and see the speedometer and we need to go, okay, am I in that plumb line? Am I following Jesus? Because I know that the Bible says that the road is narrow that leads to life. But wide is the path to destruction. And so if you feel you can just stumble through the gospel any way you want, choosing how you want, thinking how you want, all that stuff, that ain't in the Bible. That's in your head, though. It's a good thought, isn't it? I could just mess up and do anything I want, choose anything I want, believe anything I want. Jesus loves me. This I know. I don't think so. That's not what the words. That's not the one I'm reading, the Bible that I'm reading. This is this is that kind of this is that message where you're like, oh, glory, Jesus, come on, preach it. Now, this is the word that just hits you in the forehead and you're like, flip, dude. I need to repent with some stuff. What's wrong with repentance? Nothing. That's where it all started. Get back to it. Colossians 3. The Bible says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are, what does it say? Above. Come on, let's get some response in the room. Seek those things which are? Above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, everybody say, my mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Oh, Jesus, thank you. I've come to this service to receive from the prophet of God to die. We're going to, hey, hey, let's make a flyer for this weekend's uh, glory meetings. Hey, everybody, Huntington Beach, Costa Mesa, Santa Ana, Fountain Valley. Everybody come out this weekend. We're going to have guest speaker one, guest speaker two, guest speaker three. The title of this weekend, die. We're going to fill the building. (laughs) No, what do we like? Glory. The angels, revelatory realms of the prophetic. Come and get your palm read at the church. We'll show up to those meetings, won't we? Why has the house of God become a psychic reading room? Listen, understand what I'm saying. I love the prophetic. 
But we're going to get to the book of Acts in a second. And I'm going to show you that all these giftings, they were happening with people that were just servants. And they didn't try to start a ministry off of it. Oh, we're going there, baby. You better believe it. See, some of us, we want a ministry so bad that we'll do anything to get the gift. That sounds a lot like something else. There was this movie called Crossroads, and, the, and it says, and, and he came to the crossroads, and he had an encounter with the devil. And he wanted to play that guitar like nobody ever played that guitar before. He wanted the gift to play the guitar. So he sold his soul to the devil. It's a gift. Gifts are given. They're received. Fruit is grown. Fruit is grown. That's going to take time. It's going to take pressure. It's going to take process. The gifts, man, you can come down on Christmas morning and there's a lot of them. But the fruit, that's going to take some time. It's going to take the seed going into the ground. It's going to take some some discomfort of being in the ground and not being noticed and no sprout coming out of the ground and nobody can see me yet. And then when they do see me, I'm really weak and frail. Don't mess with me too much. I don't want to get pulled out. My roots are frail. But then it takes some wind and some thunderstorms and some rain to come against you. And then the, what happens? Those roots, they go deeper and they get stronger. And all of a sudden that, 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 that trunk starts to get formed. And then all of a sudden a branch comes out and then that one fruit pops up. And you're like, yay, this is awesome. But in the church, people are so busy sitting in a pew wanting to get noticed. And they're eating from everybody else's basket thinking that they've produced something. You ain't growing nothing, baby. Because you're too busy transferring from church to church to church and ministry to ministry to ministry and you haven't asked the lord god where am i supposed to be planted oh we can go there and we're gonna go there because that's where we are this is the holy ghost and in huntington beach right now there is a buffet of christianity and you can go to any church any fixin any desire you can have steak you can have chicken you can have fish you can have all the fixings too if you want you can have some sundays you can have some sprinkles you can have a little coke diet coke if you like it to be a little slimmer whatever you want we got it and we don't see any transformation There's no power. People are plucked to and fro. And the Christians, you're in the workplace and nobody even knows that they're a son of God. But in my Bible, it says in Acts that fear fell among the people because they saw what was on the apostles and the great works that they did. So much so that you read historically that the word Christian wasn't come because the group came together and say, hey, let's brand our group, guys. Let's make a logo and let's call ourselves something. No, the people go, these ones have been with Jesus they're Christ-like. They're Christians. Come on, man. This is the real deal. Therefore, put to death your members which were on the earth. Fornication, unclean, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. But, I, but God loves the world. Yeah, but his wrath is going to come on the sons of disobedience. Everybody that's walking in this stuff. This is the Bible. This is Colossians 3. We're we're post-cross. We're post the blood. We're post-acts. The Holy Spirit fallen. See, guys, understand there's grace and, and you have to understand that there's mercy. We have to understand if grace and mercy is only there for you to feel better with the sin that you're trying to get free of, then you really haven't transformed into the image of what you were created that you wanted to become a born again Christian for. You're just walking in sin trying to feel better because you feel guilty. So you want to pray a prayer. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about a transformed life. It's about making a decision to go, I was walking this way, but now I saw Jesus and I want to walk the opposite way following him. Amen. It's called dying to yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. That's what carries power. Not just praying a prayer, showing up on Sunday, and crying a tear, you know, when you put visine in before to make it look like, oh, hopefully somebody sees that I'm praying at the altar Maybe I'll get noticed and get some pity. 
Guys, we got it. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, talk, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a little bit of history and some of the things that I've walked through a little bit tonight. Because some, some people, it's like, it feel like, oh, you know, the preacher's preaching at me. Don't you want the preacher to preach at you? Yeah. Why would you come to church? Yeah. What do you want to preach to somebody else? What did you come for? Why are we getting offended when the word is doing what it's supposed to do? Dividing between your soul and your spirit. Faith came by hearing and hearing by the word. Why do you want to come to church and not hear the word? That's why you don't have any faith. Because you don't want to hear the word. You don't want the word. And you don't want Jesus. You want your idols. Come on. I'm preaching to myself. And we're going to raise up a standard in Huntington Beach that we're going to see revival fire sweep across the earth. And we're not the only ones doing it, but I'm going to be a part of it. Are you? I ain't here to play namby-pamby Christianity. You understand Jesus is coming back on a horse and he is going to come in all his brilliance and his glory. And there's going to be fire that he walks in. The Bible says that his eyes are like a blazing fire. We just want the lamb. We don't want the lion. He ain't changing his identity. You need to change yours. I love you guys, by the way. I love you. Seriously, this isn't a fake smile. I love you guys. But you understand that love sometimes says no, just doesn't say yes all the time. Every parent in the room knows what I'm talking about doesn't just go yes you're doing a great job you're doing a great job you're doing a great job and you're flipping like sitting there like shooting up heroin you're, is your kid doing a great job when he's shooting up heroin no you're like stop please you're gonna kill yourself oh but i know you love me mom and that's all that really matters really you're about to die through an overdose of heroin is that love me just going yay edification love caress your head while you're shooting up i don't want to judge you i don't want you to get offended if i tell you to take the needle out come on that's blown dude but we're sitting in sin just shooting up shooting up shooting up we're we're learning how to live through watching the kardashians not reading the book of acts verse 7 in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them but now you yourselves are to put off here let's 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 check this out because a lot of people love the the finished work they love to go oh it's all done jesus did it my bible says and and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong verse 8 but now you yourselves What does you yourselves translate into in the Greek? I don't think you yourselves is going, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come in and magically take it off you. It says, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Let's lift them. List them. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse 9, I love this one. Do not lie to one another. There's a lot of people that are in church and they're just lying left and right because that's how they're used to. They, They love to look one way to one person and another to another. And then they go, oh, praise you, Jesus. And they're lying to everybody. They're just lying. They're lying about how they're doing. They're lying about who they are. They're lying that they're not in sin. They're lying all day long. And isn't it tiring lying? Has anybody ever lied, been a habitual liar? I mean, it's tiring when you lie. When you lie, it's hard to keep up with your own stories. You're like, well, what did I tell so-and-so? What did I tell so-and-so? And you're just constantly lying. You're trying to keep up with everything you lie about. The Bible says put off lying. So stop. Stop waiting for Holy Spirit to come and magically change your desire to lie and look perfect in front of everybody. Listen, the reason you're lying is because you haven't realized who you, who, who you really are. You're so afraid of somebody really seeing the real you and being rejected. You don't realize that in humility, if you were to show them how messed up you are, you'd find grace in the weeping and the sorrow that you feel to repent. And you would gain a deeper relationship through showing them your dirt than presenting all this fake light. You're crying out for real relationship, but you're running from it in your lies. This is the truth. Here, let's turn to this scripture because this will just get you going. Because everybody loves this one. 
The goodness of God leads men to... Okay, let's see how else we get led to repentance. Everyone open to 2 Corinthians verse 7. Again, New Testament, New Covenant, Holy Spirit fell, blood of Jesus here. New Covenant, Gospel, yay, Jesus did it. Finished the work. And let's look at what happens in the Corinthian church. These are the ones that Paul was fathering, that he was leading. And Paul got grace. Everybody agree that Paul got some grace? I mean, he's killing Christians. And he got grace. Amen. He got something. He got to walk into a ministry that he never could have done enough good works to get. That's grace. It's unmerited favor. He got favor that he could never have assimilated on his own. Walked up a staircase in the ladder to be the CEO. He never could have cleaned enough floors, sold enough deals, kissed enough butts. He couldn't have done it. It's unmerited favor. That's grace. But check out another way that that true repentance comes. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Everybody doing all right? I, I like this type of stuff, and I don't like it just when I'm preaching it. I actually, you can ask Andrew, you can ask Bess, you can ask anybody that knows me. I like the straight truth. Because the straight truth gets you to a place where you either say yes or no, you don't get to go maybe. So at least you know if you're in or out. Doesn't it suck when you don't know if you're in or you're out? Better just find out if you're in or out. Because then it's like a lot easier, and you're like, oh, I'm out. Okay, let's find out how to get in. Or you're in. Woo, let's stay in. Amen? Straight truth. It's an arrow divides. Second Corinthians seven. I'm reading from the Amplified. If you guys want to go to the Amplified, you can follow along there. Actually, you know what? I'll have the Amplified open on this, but I want to actually read the New King James. Sorry. Second Corinthians seven. I think I just opened the Amplified because I saw some cool stuff in there as well. Verse uh, chapter seven, verse eight. Here's what Paul says to the Corinthians. For even if I made you sorry with my with my letter, I do not regret it. Oh, Paul, you're preaching condemnation to the to the church of Corinth. He made him feel sorry, and he doesn't regret it. Boo, Paul. We just want to hear about how much God loves us. How dare you rebuke us and correct us? How dare you, Paul? Even though you're our father and you actually led us into repentance, how dare you correct us after we're walking away from that repentance? How dare you? Come on. I'm not the only one that's had these thoughts in my life. You guys can sit on your little, your little self-righteous horses and be like, oh, that's not me. Come on, I've been on it too. I've, been, I've done all the that's not me's. But I like when the, when the word of God comes and divides me. I love it because then I can just, can just get on or off. It's easy. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Verse 9. Now I rejoice... Not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, everybody say this with me, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Come on, godly sorrow. Let me give you an example of this. I was born and raised in church, and I knew how to put the face on in church because I've been in church my whole life. I was in church more than I played video games. That's a lot. I like to play video games when I was little. Actually, I was in church more than I played basketball, so that was really a lot because I played basketball all the time. I wanted to be like Mike when I grew up, even though I'm a little white boy. 
They call me white chocolate, J-Dub, on the courts. They're like, oh, what's up? Crossed you up. I was in church all the time. My dad was a, an awesome worship leader, and he led evangelistic teams and did all kinds of stuff. Started Bible studies in his home, power signs and wonders, operating in our house. I was a little kid. I don't know what the heck was going on. I was like, why is this lady shaking like a dead fish on the floor in our living room? This is kind of weird. You know, it's like, what's going on? People are praying in a weird language that I don't understand, but I was a little kid, so I would like copy them, and they would like go, whoa, and fall back, and i go, whoa, you know, and I'm six years old, just copying them. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I'm born and raised in church, and I'm around Christianity. I'm around Christians. I'm around all the stuff that we would say, oh, this is, this is God, this is Christianity. And for me, there was a separation where there was God here, but there was my parents here, so I didn't feel like there was a connection. I felt like God was God through my dad. I believed in Jesus because of my dad or my mom. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't have that, that encounter relationship where Jesus was there and I was there and it was me and him and Holy Spirit was with, with me and the Father loved me. It was a separation, parental. Nothing wrong with that. The Bible says even that lead your kids in the way of the Lord and they shall, even though they walk away for a little while, they will return. So there's nothing wrong with him bringing me around the anointing all the time. But the problem was with me that I didn't have that encounter. I didn't have that repentance. I didn't have that that place in me that there was a time where God showed himself to me and I didn't have that. Long story short, 18 years old, I have an encounter. Now, I had a lot of cool stuff happen as I'm growing up. I actually was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was eight years old, prayed the prayer of salvation at seven. But there wasn't very, very much lifestyle of it until 18. And I had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus on a mountaintop that I was made to go to on a retreat of a of a people group of less than 20 people. And I was like the runt in the group. I hated it. I didn't want to be there. Didn't want to seek God, but God encountered me. I'm not going to get into that, but I just want to share this with you. After that encounter, my life, there was a fire that came on my life and I started seeking God with everything that I had. I closed the door to my bedroom. I would pray at all hours into the night. I'm thinking I'm praying for half an hour. I look at the clock. I've been praying for three and a half. Just tears on the floor, dirty cry, like just getting after the Holy Ghost. Didn't know all the right words to say, but all I was doing is just, Father, create in me a right heart, renew within me a right spirit. Just copying David, just getting after him in any way I knew how. Just going after God. Shortly after that, I fell harder than I into sin than I was before the encounter at 18. I actually started doing harder drugs than I had done when I was growing up in high school. Here's the point I want to make. After that happened and there was a relationship I got into, an ungodly relationship, I was united with this girl. We're sleeping together where I was spending more time at her house than the house that I actually paid rent to live in. It was just blown. Okay? I remember there was a time I came to one specific event. This happened multiple times in my life, but I just want to bring up one and it will make sense to you. There was a time when I'm sitting in the chair and the people that I'm living with at the time, my cousin and some other people are there. And they had a time where they would just get together on a certain night. And I knew when that night was, so I would stay away from that night because what they did on that night is they would open up the Bible and they'd talk about the Bible. And it was my cousin and one of his friends. And I knew when that night was happening, so I always made sure I wasn't at home on that night because I did not want to get confronted with any questions, any type of conversation, and you better not talk to me about Jesus. You better not tell me that my life is wrong. You better not. You better not. I would never say that to them, but that was the attitude of my heart. Already had encountered Jesus. I mean, I'm talking encounter like physical, visual, everything encounter. 18 years old. You're like, well, Jeff, why didn't you just like start going to the nations from what happened? Like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I was blown. I need a lot of help. I need a lot of mercy, a lot of grace. Here's the point, though. This one night, God had been dealing with me, and there had been some stuff happening between the relationship of the girl that that we that uh, this I was with. 
And there's just been things, domino effects started happening. It was like one thing happened, I got hurt, feelings, this happened. I was kind of like, ah, oh, this is weird. And all of a sudden I was just like, man, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm going to stay home tonight. And I forgot that it was a night that they were there doing their thing. And something just drew me down that night. And that night I came down and I was like, flip, I don't want to be here, but I'm just going to sit. And here's the, here's the mercy of God. The mercy of God called me to a moment to make a decision. And that decision was to get real. And here's what getting real looked like. It got real because I knew that they already are, for, for, for them, from the outside, their lives looked right. They weren't doing all the crazy stuff I was doing. But what needed for me to get breakthrough, to get freedom, is I had to reveal all my junk and I had to not hold anything back to them. I needed to confess my sin one to another that I may be healed. Called true repentance. Called called godly sorrow. I was truly sorry. And it was manifested through seeing it because as I opened my mouth, I began to weep uncontrollably. It wasn't just like, well, you guys know I've been kind of blown and, you know, I'm sorry if you're doing this and that and the other thing. Well, hope everybody, you know, maybe you guys can pray for me. No, I was like, ah, and it was like, it was like a, it was like a cry, man. It was like a deep moving in my soul because I was sorry, but I was blown and I needed help. And you see the lie of the enemy that's over most people, even in the church. Forget about outside. Forget, I'm talking about in the church. Is that in the church, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to everyone around you because you feel like you're going to be accepted by putting on this face, by putting on that Holy Ghost smile. I'm doing beautiful. How are you today? And on the inside, you're caught up in lies. You're caught up in lust. You're caught maybe, see, a lot of people, they look at like this, the big sins. They look at like the stuff they think is big. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not killing anybody. I'm not, you know, sleeping with somebody else's wife. I'm not doing all this stuff. But what about just the pride of life? What about your self-righteousness where you always think you're right and everyone else is wrong? Where you think that everything that you do is perfect, but everybody else, well, they got to fix some stuff. Self-righteousness. And you won't be honest. You won't be honest with anybody. Nobody can talk to you. Nobody can say anything because you go, oh, you know what? There's grace, brother. There's mercy. Like, you know, Jesus finished it all. Just worry about yourself. Whatever happened to just the, gosh, I'm so sorry for being an idiot. I'm so sorry for using you and thinking about you in this way. And you know what? I need to apologize because I've been by myself thinking all these thoughts against you. And I've never come to you to talk to about it. I'll, I'll go to everybody else to talk about it, about you. But I never come to you to talk to you about it. What about that kind of repentance? Where it's not just you go in your room in your closet where you know Jesus is going to accept you and he's going to hear your prayers and your petitions. But you go to the one that you're afraid to talk to and you say, I'm sorry because I've been wrong. How about we just get honest with where we're at and we stop looking like we're right in everything and we be honest that we're wrong in some stuff. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. That repentance that comes leads to salvation. And that's the freedom that we all truly desire. And so let me clear the air for all of you. If, if this is going on inside of you, I'm telling you that there is grace when you come through godly sorrow with repentance. But the lie is, is that you think you're in grace and in mercy by holding all this stuff to yourself and living this lie of your life and presenting this false image to everybody else. Do you understand? So are you free or are you bound? You're bound. Why not just show where you're really at? Just be like, you know what? I'm, I've been, I've been so wrong in so many areas. And you know what you'll find? That with the people around you that God has called you to be in relationship, you will grow in deeper intimacy and there will be so much grace for you that you wouldn't even understand how much favor there is in that relationship that you never thought there could be by you just being honest. This is, this is, this is one of the biggest fights in church. 
why so much division happens. Because people have this, this hardness of heart, the Bible calls it. And what you need, here, can I even tell you, you know what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 7? He wrote a letter to the Corinth church because there was people sleeping with their family members, like their father's wife, incest. And he called them out on it. He's like, dude, this is wrong. He didn't go, oh, well, they're there, brother. I know you maybe just be, you've been lied to by the devil and, you know, there's grace and mercy for you at the cross. No, he's like, this is wrong. Stop sleeping with your father's wife. And he said, I'm not sorry for writing that to you. I don't even regret it. What I am happy and rejoice in is that that led to a godly sorrow that you looked at yourself in the mirror and you were like, oh my gosh, there's darkness there and I want there to be light. So the Bible says in Ephesians that all things that are made manifest in the light, they're in the light now. So there's no more darkness. You get rid of the darkness by exposing and bringing it into the light, not hiding it and keeping it to yourself in your prayer closet with Jesus. You already know that Jesus is going to accept you. What you need to find out is how Jesus through people will give you grace and mercy when you're honest with where you're at. That's what you need. That's what I need. Because with that comes strength and relationship. It comes a bond of perfection through unity that Ephesians talks about. Where the devil doesn't want there to be unity in church. He wants there to be division. Because if there's division in the church, there can't be the anointing that is commanded. The blessing of God that flows like oil down over the head of Aaron and down his beard. You want revival to come? Repent and then begin to pray together. Get honest with where you're at and come and show all your dirt and be like, I don't care about my dirt anymore. I'd rather be clean. And then Jesus can do something with that through people that have authority over your life that God has raised them up to speak into your life. You can't go and show all your dirt to just somebody you know doesn't have any authority because you're not afraid to do that. What are they going to do? You're really afraid to show your dirt to somebody that has actually a say in your life that might have a little bit of a, yeah, maybe, maybe you just need to sit out for a season. Maybe you just need to take a break. Why are you afraid of that? You're not, you're not afraid to go to the doctor when you break your leg, are you? Why? Because you want your leg to be healed so you can walk right again. But spiritually, you're walking around with a broken leg and you're walking around with a broken back and you're walking around with a broken neck and you're like, oh, I can help the church. I can help the church. You can't even walk. Come to the doctor and get restored. How are you going to carry anything when you yourself can't even carry yourself? Come on, let's get real, man. I know this isn't a shout me down, bless me, hallelujah sermon, but you know what? This will allow you to be in a place of truth where you're not afraid of a verdict because the Lord has searched you out and you can say, the devil has nothing in me. And that's what Jesus looks like. The devil had nothing in him. You guys still good? This is good, man. I need this. You need this. We need this. Because what God wants to do in this territory isn't just about getting a bunch of people in the room and profiting down the house. You understand? See, some people, they'll be in such a place of division in their heart where this, is, this word's coming. And they're like, they're so mad and they're so mad. Here's my question. Why are you mad? Ask yourself that question. Why are you mad? Maybe that's the very thing. The thing why you're mad is the thing that needs to go. Not the word not being preached with truth and transparency like it is right now. Maybe it's that thing that's mad in you that needs to go. Amen. And see, when we get honest in that place, then we can all be like, shout me down. Hallelujah. Cause we're all free. We're not just saying we're free. We are all actually free. There's no tormenting devils lying to you anymore because you look in the mirror and you go, 
oh my goodness, I see nothing but light. This is awesome. I didn't know we can, I didn't know I could not have any tormenting thoughts through the whole day like this. I didn't know I can go to sleep and not have all those bad dreams. I didn't know I could be around this type of person and I wasn't tempted in that way. I didn't know I could walk in this type of a place and I wasn't tempted in that way. The reason why those temptations have so much strength over you is because you won't just get honest and get free of it and let the light shine. The darkness sees familiarity, so it's attracted to it. Dogs smell fear. It's the same thing with the devils. The devils, they smell the sin. They smell the familiar, the familiarity on it. That doesn't mean that when you get free of this stuff, you're never going to walk through a trial or a tribulation where the devil attacks you. I'm just saying, how about let's not walk around the same mountain for the same 40 years, every 40 years, and let's actually get into the promised land where Jesus actually has set us free, and we show everybody else, here's the bridge, let's go. Yes. Come on. Go to the book of Acts. Chapter 10. I want to quickly touch on this because this is important because there's a lot of stuff happening right now, especially in ministry. I, I referred to Sean Boltz and can I just say this? I love Sean Boltz. And have, have any of you guys been watching his videos where he's calling out like, you know, name, address, all this stuff? That's awesome, isn't it? Well, let me just show you that he's not the only one that's ever done that. And I know there's a lot of other people we could say that have done that. And, and can I just say this again? I am for Sean Boltz. I am for all the gifts. I'm just trying to bring the plumb line. I'm trying to bring the plumb line so we don't look at something as the gift and we go, oh, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And that becomes your focus. Instead of clean, light, darkness out, and then whatever God has for you in the horizon, you go after it with all your heart. Instead of just looking at a gift and going, I need, I need, I need. Because really what you're saying is, I want affirmation. I want the following. I want the influence. I want to be noticed. I want, I want, I want. That selfish devil that's in you needs to die. That's really why you want the gift. You're going to say, well, I want to see people get saved. I want to see them get delivered. But you wouldn't be chasing after the gift to do that. You would just go and preach the gospel. The gospel's got enough power in it to do it already. The blood of Jesus has all the power you need to get people saved. You don't have to give them the super prof for them to get free. You can just go, listen, Jesus loves you. Do you know that he died for you on the cross? And that by simply confessing out of your mouth and believing in your heart that the Lord Jesus died for you and repenting of all your sins, you can be a son of God. Let's do it right now. And if they see the fire in your eyes and, they're, and you're clean and the Holy Spirit's with you with the anointing, that's enough. You will get people saved. You don't need to go, um, so six, four, eight, seven. That's your last four digits of your social security number. Oh, what up? Don't you know that Jesus loves you? They're looking at you like, okay, what are you like operating in witchcraft or whatever? They're not deciphering whether it's God or it's a devil. Come on. They're just going, oh, you must be a psychic. But when they, when, when they spit in your face and then you love them and give them a hug, they go, this person is different. Was that a gift or was that a choice? It was love. It's a choice. Come on. Understand again, I love the gifts. I've, I've, I've walked down the streets and I have super prof people and it was awesome. One time I was on Main Street and we had a prayer line in front of Starbucks at 1130 at night at Friday. People waiting to get prayer. And we didn't go out there with a sign. Me and a friend just went, what are you doing tonight? I don't know. What are you doing? Let's go get a coffee at Starbucks. Go get a coffee at Starbucks. Before we went, we prayed and we asked, God, is there anybody we should pray for? We saw a shirt. We saw this. We saw that. The shirt walks across the street. I start praying for him, talking to him. All of a sudden, there's like five or six people waiting to go, I want prayer. I want prophecy. I want prayer. I want prophecy. This one guy had two very good-looking girls that were barely wearing anything. All of you know on Main Street how the girls dress. And they're both going, come on. Come on. Let's go to the bar. And he's like, wait. I need this. The prophetic is awesome. You understand? 
I'm not taken away from that. But what I'm taken away from is all the glory that we're given to it rather than just putting the glory where it really needs to be on the blood of Jesus. The simplicity of love. You're waiting for an angel to touch you so you can see all the manifestations. And God's saying, go, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. You got enough right now. Go and do it. What are you waiting for? You understand? So I'm trying to, I'm just plumb line. Let's, let's just, let's call what it is, what it is. And let's just get into faith and not get into manifestations. Jesus actually says, you wicked, perverse generation, you seek after a sign. And only one sign will be given to you. The sign of Jonah. Do we want to be a wicked and perverse generation? No, I know nobody in this room does. So let's stop focusing on that stuff and let's focus on what really counts. Jesus, the blood, the cross, and let's go and present it to the world. Amen. So I just want to quickly show to you in in Acts 10. This is a, uh, you guys probably all know this story, but you might have never heard this particular part pulled out because most people focus on the alms and the encounter and stuff, but they don't really look at like what this guy actually saw. Let's read it. Verse 1, chapter 10, Acts. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. How many already think this is pretty awesome? First of all, Jesus came for who? The Gentiles or the Jews? So this man's a Gentile. So he, we haven't tapped into the Gentiles receiving the gift yet. You understand? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So pre-gift of the Holy Spirit entering into the Gentiles, we have a man having an encounter. Did an angel show up physically? No. In a vision, an angel shows up. This guy is just your normal dude. Cornelius. He's a centurion. He might have been in the same regiment of some of the people that actually put Jesus on the cross. This is a regular dude. He doesn't have a prophetic ministry. He doesn't have a bunch of partners online. He doesn't even, you know, he's not under any apostle on the earth right now that's saying, I affirm this guy's ministry. We have prayed for him. He's nobody's son. He's just an everyday dude. And he has a vision and an angel comes to him, touches him and says, Cornelius. How many want some angelic encounters? Raise your hand. I know I do. I love it. I've had some. I want more. I want all of it. I love it. Anything Jesus wants to do, I want all of it, God. Diamonds, gold dust, whatever <laughs> wants to happen, I'm good with it. This is a regular dude. Vision, encounter, angel, Cornelius. Let's read on. Verse 4. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. Number one, location. And send for Simon, number two, the name, whose surname is Peter, the second name of the same man. There's some accuracy prof happening right now, is there not? Homeboy is getting the address, the location, not just the first name, but also the name that was changed from the first name into a surname that God gave him. This is some accurate prof coming on him. You guys see what I'm saying? Verse 6, he is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Number 4, he even gets the name of the guy who owns the house, not even the guy he's going to meet. So he gets two different names of the same man. You'd have to step out in faith to release that word, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, young lady, this is the first time that you've been at church. Um, I feel like, does, does the name Ashley mean anything to you? That's your first name? Oh my gosh, that's her first name. I feel God in this place. Hallelujah. 
Hello. It's a regular dude. Just living life, giving prayers and alms to God. Has a vision. An angel comes. Gives him location. Two names for the same guy. And the name of the guy's house that the guy was staying with. Most people would have just got the first two, not all four. And they would have started a ministry, created a YouTube channel, Facebook page. And they would have reached out to the prophetic streams and the, and you know, Elijah list. And they would have been like, oh, the new prophets in town, baby. Let's get it started. Come on. Glory meetings. Let's go. Let's go. I need some partners. I need some partners. I feel the anointing in this place. God is speaking again. And he's speaking through me. It might not look like that, but that's kind of what it feels like sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like that. And I'm not saying anybody that I've shared with today is doing that. I'm just saying that sometimes what people are qualifying themselves for ministry. Ministry, you're not qualified because you got a gift from God through a vision. You're qualified because Jesus said, here's the ministry I have for you. Go and do it. And some of us, we aren't patient enough to actually get on our knees and pray for that encounter to happen. We just like to go start it. Understand I'm talking about offices. I'm not talking about reaching out to the lost. You guys get what I'm saying? I don't want anybody to stop preaching the gospel all of a sudden because of this message. You get what I'm saying? I'm like, there's people that all of a sudden walk in. I'm the apostle of this church. And it's like, really? Who said? Who are you under? Nobody. Oh, interesting. Everyone that was an apostle was brought in through the apostles before them. That's kind of interesting that all of a sudden you're an apostle and nobody called you. Wow. You're the prophet. You're the evangelist. Who are you? What's the office you carry? Everybody wants a title, but nobody wants to spend the time to actually get called and get anointed and they don't want to submit to nobody but they want to talk to everybody they want to be influencers and they want to have followers but there's no submission so let's look at why all this stuff came he got his address location he got two names of the same guy then he even got the name of the guy whose house he was staying in why did all this four stuff four, four things come let's look go to verse 33 This is Cornelius speaking, verse 33. So I sent to you, he's talking to Peter. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. He submitted under the apostles' ministry, and he said, whatever God has commanded of you, would you please bless us and speak? He didn't go, Oh, I got this super prophetic word. So now you need to listen to what I have to say, Peter. I know you walk with Jesus, but do you understand that Jesus came to me and he showed me where you were, your two names and the house of the person who owned the house's name as well. I'm anointed, bro. Listen up. That ain't what happened. He did it all. And then he humbly sat down and he said, now we're submitted to anything that God has for you to say. Would you come? And you know what happened after that? The Bible says that Peter began to preach the gospel and that the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles. And what happened is the apostles' eyes were open to say, oh my gosh, this isn't just for us, guys. It's for everybody. That was what the gift was for. The revelation was there for salvation, not for your ministry. It was there for salvation. God backs up the gifts so that salvation can rip across the earth for all the lost souls. Not so you could start a ministry. Amen. Amen. We still doing good? I'm telling you, you live based on the word of God like we're preaching. I know I'm preaching straight. I know it. And can I say this? I'm so proud of everybody for taking it strong like it is right now. I was sharing even at the home group and I think on Tuesday night. Don't you feel a privilege that God would see you fit to receive a word this strong, straight? And he says, I believe they could take this. Give it. 
Guys, here's my notes. There's your notes. It's just the word. I don't have a sermon written out. Everything that's flowing is just from the Holy Ghost. You understand? This isn't like I thought about what you guys can think. I'm just like, holy. this is what I do. I go, sometimes I prepare and I have like specific points I want to hit. But a lot of times I just show up and I'm like, God, whatever you want to say to our, our house, whatever you want to say to our family, would you speak? Would you go? Because I'm so desperate. I need God just like you do. I need a touch from the Holy Ghost. I need the truth. I need his grace. I need his mercy. But I need his fire to also burn out all the darkness so that way there can be purity of life and of heart and we can all walk in this thing together. Because we're not playing for a business. I said this at home group on Thursday. We're not, praying, we're not playing for a nice little picket fence house with a nice little family. We are playing for souls. And we're not playing. It, we're, we're talking about eternity. We're not talking about your, if you get married or not and have a nice little life on the earth. We're talking about souls burning in hell for all eternity. If we don't carry what God has given us to carry in this season, in this region, that's what is getting, that's what's on the table. Understand? So I understand that this is straight. I understand that it's full on, but praise God that he sees it fit that we can be okay to receive that right now. That should encourage you. It shouldn't be a weight on your shoulders. Amen. Come on, let's all stand up. You guys did a great job by receiving that word tonight. Because I can tell you, if somebody was preaching like this to me tonight, I would have had a little bit of a couple of shakes too. I'd have been like, oh, don't, don't look at me when you say that point, Jeff. Don't look at me when you say that point, preacher. I get it. It's full on and it's straight. But like I said, I need this too. We all need this. And iron sharpens iron, so sharpens the countenance of a man. Amen. We need each other. And we need to lock arms seriously, not just to play patty cake Christianity. Amen. You guys good? Hallelujah. Father, let's just all, I'm going to pray. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, God. God, I thank you that every single person here, Father, I thank you that they are a warrior, that they are sons of God. They are called and they are chosen for your purpose, God. And I thank you, Father, that you have also predestined them for magnificent, mighty works given to them as gifts from heaven. So God, I pray right now that you would cover them with your grace. You would cover them with your mercy. You would release favor and blessing over them that is so tremendous that it would blow away what they even imagine they can receive from heaven, God. I pray, God, that their hearts will be set aflame and on fire for the truth like they have never known possible, God. And I pray it would all be done by you, Holy Spirit. I pray that there would be no works and striving, but there would only be the complete submission to you Holy Spirit because it is not by our might that this is going to happen it's not by our willpower that this is going to happen but it is by you Holy Spirit of God that all of the things that we see that you have spoken over this house and over this territory are going to come to pass in Jesus name so Father I pray that you would even bring a strengthening to our hearts Father I pray that you would bring an expansion even to the ability for us to receive to interpret the revelations that you are speaking into our soul and God I also pray right now for strength for repentance that you would strengthen our hearts to get honest with where we're at and if there's things that are messing with us god i pray that you would bring courage into the hearts of your people to get real with where they're at and to lay down all of their masks and come with godly sorrow for repentance in jesus name so father i bless this house i bless all of us god and i just thank you father in jesus name for everything you you are doing over this house in jesus name hallelujah amen why don't you guys give Jesus a hand. I'm telling you, some things are shifting in this territory and they're shifting in this house. And this is not the season to be apathetic, sleepy, drowsy. If you're feeling that, you need to combat it in the spirit. 
If you're feeling drowsy, if you're feeling sleepy, you're feeling apathetic, I'm telling you, combat that in the spirit. You need to take upon the armor of God. You need to put on the helmet of salvation. You need to take up the shield of faith. You need to pull out your sword of the spirit. You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You need to gird yourself up in your loins with the belt of truth and the preparation of the gospel of peace being shod on your feet. And you need to begin to battle and steadfastly stand against all the wiles of the enemy right now. One of them majorly in this territory is apathy and lethargicness. It's a complacency to the things of God. It's a form of godliness that denies the power. And we need to stand against that. And it doesn't matter if somebody calls you crazy. They call Jesus crazy too, so you're in good company. And if the world's calling you crazy, then you're in really good company because you're not of this world, though you're in it. So you should look crazy to the world. Amen. So let's get fiery in this place. Amen. Let's actually burn for Jesus instead of burning with hell on the earth. Amen. Some of you are like, well, that was kind of heavy to leave it on that. Oh, it's good. You won't forget it. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Woo. All right. We love you guys.